hurt. I think it was around about Tuesday. I started to feel that I had a, I had a cold or something was happening. It might have been Monday evening. I'm, uh, Monday even. I'm not quite sure. And um, I was thinking, I'm preaching at the weekend. Oh no, Lord, what's going on? And it got worse and it got worse until I hit Friday, and then it was really bad. <laughs> and I still felt God had laid something on my heart to share. And so I just kept coming back to Him and saying, Lord. I'm fed up with this. This has happened to me so many times. I feel like God's given me something to say. I've had a cold or I had flu. Or, and it's just been, it, you know, and I just got really fed up. And I just said, Lord, I'm not giving up on this one. I do think you've given me something to say. So, yes, I apologize for the croakiness of throat, but technology is there to help, so that should be okay. Um, we start a new series today, as you can see, Beginner to Intermediate, where we're actually starting the last proper series of this year, as we come to the end of this year. And what I want us to do, we're going to be looking, uh, my topic this morning is moving on, and we're going to be, I'm going to be using Hebrews chapter 6 to, uh, to just bring a few points that I want on this particular topic. So let's, let's start by by reading Hebrews 6. See, this isn't working. Have I got this right? That's on. Try it again. And again. Come on. Okay, there we go. Turn it back on. It vibrates. And it still refuses to work. Ah, was that you or me? That was you. <laughs> Made me feel like I'll get... Was that me or you? That was me. Yay! <laughs> Thanks. <clears throat> Let's read Hebrews. I want to read... I'm going to read some bits out of Hebrews. To, to be honest, I felt like using... I mean, it's typical. I read this chapter in Hebrews... And I was really inspired by what I was reading. And then it took me back to a chunk of chapter 5 as well, because that sort of ties into the beginning of chapter 6. And then I was thinking, oh, I've got to read the whole thing. And as I was just going through this, there was stuff that I really thought, no, I, I can't speak on today because it's just too much. But it's really good. Why am I saying that to you again? I keep saying this every time I come to preach, that there's just so much and you have to cut stuff out. Go and read Hebrews. Read it and ask God to speak to you. Also, as you read through, as you read through Hebrews, have a look at that, the, the passage that we're reading today and ask God to speak to you from it because there's way more in there that can challenge and grow you than we can ever do on a Sunday morning when we're speaking to you. And really what I want to do is just get us all so that we're a little bit hungry for reading the Word and spending time in it and just pausing in it and allowing God to speak to us. Let me say something else. This isn't in my notes, but let me say something else this morning as well. Come with something to take some notes. Scribble thoughts down. Scribble ideas down. Scribble in your Bible. We used to, in the old days, I used to bring a Bible, I'd bring a pen, I'd bring two different colours of underliner, and I would sit there and I would mark my Bible. Even though I was taught originally, you should never mark a Bible, you should never put it on the floor, you know, all this stuff, we should sort of value it, and especially when the They've got gold leaf around the edge and they've got a, a leather cover. 
But I learned the value of putting scribbles. My best Bible is an old pew Bible. It's falling apart. It's an old NIV. And it's got hundreds of notes just scribbled in the margins of thoughts that God dropped into my heart while I was hearing people speak. And, and I would find that as I turned back to those passages later, later in my life, that things would just jump out and touch me again. And so really what I'm saying is this morning, please, when we preach, I know we use mobile phones and all the rest of it now, but have that space where you can go back, you can look at it again. And even if you use your phone, just take a couple of notes, a couple of little things maybe that God's speaking to you. Let's read this, Hebrews 6, starting at verse 1. And I'm going to read 1 to 3, then I'm going to read verses 9 and 10, and then I'm going to jump to verse 18, because they're the bits that sort of fit with what I want to talk about this morning. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms and laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. And then jump, if we jump to verses 9 and 10, and he, he says there, Dear friends, even though you are talking, oh, even though we're talking this way, we really don't believe that it applies to you. We are confident that you are meant for better things, things that come with salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. And then finally into verse 18. And he says, So God has given both this promise, his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. Yeah, as I said, there's so much in this passage. The bits that I've left out, the bits I've left out actually might be quite the interesting bits because there's a couple of sort of fairly contentious issues in these. Some of these verses have been interpreted in various different ways and people have used them in different ways. I would have loved to have spent time going through that today, but it doesn't actually fit with, with what I feel, you know, what I think God is saying to us for this point in our life as church. But there is some really wonderful stuff out there. And if you, if you do read that chapter and you're looking at these contentious things and you're feeling worried and you're struggling with it, I just want to say talk to us. Talk to somebody. Talk to Barry. Talk to me. Talk to Malcolm John. Talk to somebody about it. But let's just pray. Father God, come, we pray. I know Barry's already prayed, but Lord, I just pray for the anointing of your Holy Spirit this morning, that your name will be glorified and that you will change our lives and change the lives of those around us and change the culture of our nation because, Father, we stand for you. So come, bring your Holy Spirit. Touch us by your Holy Spirit. Give us ears that hear. Give us hearts that respond in your name. Amen. Through this year, our theme has been hill climbing for beginners. That's been the theme for this year. And we've used that metaphor, the metaphor of climbing hills or climbing mountains. 
we've used that metaphor to help us look at the realities, the, the real part of what it means to walk as a Christian. You know, it's all very well getting the high theological answers to these things and, and, and all the ideas, and, and there are things that we can happily argue about. I mean, there's, there's things that I can happily sit down and argue with other Christians about, and we may have different views on them. Um, but they're not worth falling out about. They, we just recognize that we don't fully understand everything that God's put there. But what God has been saying to us through this year is, you need to keep on climbing those hills. And I will be with you in that. Why do I say that? Well, let's go back. Let me take you back two years. COVID was probably still a thing at the time we started this, or it had just started. There was that whole COVID thing going on. And our theme a couple of years ago was, do not despise small beginnings. And we went through that for a year. And, and what, we, what we had from that, what I got from that, was God was saying, I will build on whatever you give me. Oh, by the way, wasn't that partly the theme from last week's preach? When Andy was here, what did he preach on? He preached on feeding the 5,000. He preached on the, uh, the, the five loaves and the two fishes. Or was it the other way around? I always get that confused. I think it's the five loaves and the two fishes. Bring what little you have and God will multiply it. That's what he was saying. That's what I got from that preach that, that Andy preached last week. Don't despise the small things. God will take what you give him and he will build on it. Then last year, last year we had another theme. We had the theme of Emmanuel, God is with us. And I can still remember, when we came, I was in the conversations when we came up with it and it was like, Emmanuel, well that's, that's, well, that's for Christmas, isn't it? <laughs> you know, but actually that's talking about God with us. So, I'd just been pondering this and I was thinking, God said, don't despise the small beginnings. And then he says, I'm with you. And so for one year we looked at not despising those small beginnings and, and, and learning to recognize God's work with us. And then we started looking at who God is and how powerful he is and his attributes and all those things. And it's, I just felt God saying, don't despise those small beginnings. Give me the what you have, no matter how small it is, because I am with you. And then we came into this one, this year, Hill Climbing for Beginners. Hill Climbing for Beginners. We face those daily challenges of walking as Christians in a world that really doesn't, doesn't have any time for it. I feel what God has been saying to us through this period of time and through this year is, Bring what you have now, wherever you are. And I believe he's speaking to us as a church, and he's speaking to you and me as individuals. Bring whatever you have in your hand now, no matter how small it is. And I will grow it for whatever I have for you next. Because I am God. And I am with my people not just known by my people, but with my people. By my spirit, I am there. And so we come to this final series in, in this year's, for this year's thing of, of hill climbing for beginners. And, and the title for it is Beginners to Intermediates. 
You see, the point is, we've been looking at hill climbing for beginners. That's what we've been doing. That's the series that we've, we've been looking at. Hill climbing for beginners. There comes a time when we have to progress. If you're going to be a hill climber, if you're going to climb hills, if you're going to see amazing things from amazing heights, if you're going to have experience crossing amazing ravines and doing stuff, you have to develop and grow. You can't just stick climbing those hills in Somerset or wherever it is. Wales. Wales has got one hill, I believe, or is it one mountain? I'm not quite sure which. Maybe it's got more. Hey, I'm going to get in trouble here. <laughs> but we need to climb and not just stick on the nursery slopes. We need to move forward from being beginners to being intermediates and on. Let's come back to our, 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 our reading. Let's come back to Hebrews uh, 6, verse 1. Now, Hebrews, let me, just, let me just give you a tiny little background on this before we go into what I want to say, because it's important. Hebrews, we're not sure who wrote it exactly. Some people think maybe Paul did. Everybody sort of says the writer to the Hebrews, so there is that sort of catch-all that we use for it. But one thing that we do know is that the guy who wrote this knew the people he was writing to. You can see that from the way it's written. The author knew the Hebrews. We also know that it was written to Jewish Christians. It was written to those who knew the Lord Jesus Christ as their Messiah. And we also know that it was written to encourage and to challenge, and some of what we read this morning proves that point, to encourage and to challenge, to courage and challenge not to go back to the old ways. So, we come to this this passage, and you'll see how those thoughts pan out just in a little while. We come to Hebrews 1. So, let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on. Could you see, even here at this point, and if you look back in verse, in chapter 5 of this, uh, of Hebrews, you'll find it starts with this whole thing about why haven't you grown up? Why are you still eating, drinking milk? Why aren't you, you're moving forward? We come to this, let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. The point is, the, the, the Ephesians, these guys were feeling, well, they were feeling, feeling discouraged. They were struggling, they were battling with things. They were Christian Jews living with Jewish Jews, if you like, for a better way of putting it. They were those who owned Christ as Messiah. They were living alongside other Jews who didn't own Christ as the Messiah. In fact, would have been really quite put out by anybody even hinting that Jesus was God. That is who he was writing to. And the writer knows that he needs to write to these people and encourage them to keep on going on. You see, the problem with the Hebrews was that they had got stuck. They needed encouragement to keep going, to press on, from beginners to intermediate to mature and beyond. You know, it's, it's, a continuous, it's a continuous scale. We, we, we should be growing. The danger is we can get stuck. They got stuck. 
And I think there are some very real dangers around us in our world at this time. We too can get stuck. There are many Christians who've got stuck. Let me put it this way. There are many Christians who treat their Christian life like they treat driving. Do you understand what I mean? Think about this. How many of you... Well, no, let me still, let's not make it quite so personal. Many people who drive have not actually upskilled themselves from the day they passed their test. I'm not going to ask for hands up, please, because I don't want anybody to feel too smug in the room this morning. But how many of you have done extra driving tuition? Been to the skid pan, learnt how to control a car when it gets out of control, have done advanced driving um, uh, techniques and that sort of thing. Now, there may be one or two people sitting here smiling smugly to themselves because, yes, they have. But the majority of people don't. And the problem is, so many people have learnt to drive, and from that day, they may have got a little bit more... I don't know, confident in what they do. Take a couple more risks because they think they can get away with it. Um, not feel quite so sort of scared of what they're doing and, and, and what's happening. Well, let me just say I'm quite smug. I have. I've taken an extra course. Yep. The problem is I had to. <laughs> I didn't have much choice. <laughs> Well, at least they did give me a choice. They just said to me, you can either have points on your license or you can pay for this course. What do you think I chose? Point on my, no, not points on my license. I chose the course. And what I must also say is that it changed my driving habits. Not because they taught me the skills of what to do on the road, um, but because I realized that if I lost my license, I lost all those lovely things I could drive on my license. <laughs> I have one of those old licenses, which is, I, I think is quite valid, because I can drive anything up to a seven-ton truck, I can drive a seven-ton truck, I can tow anything I like, and I even added my motorcycles on there so I can, I can drive a 2,000cc motorbike if I want to. I have all this stuff on my driving license, and the thing that made me change my life and my habits of driving was, if I lost that, I was going to lose all those things, and I'd have to take tests for every single one of them if I wanted to get them back. So I can, I can vouch for the fact that if we go on a driver training course, if we do something like that, it can change us. But getting a bit serious again, how many of us have? We haven't. We'd, and, and for many people, that's how they've treated their, their Christian life. They've got born again. One preacher, I was, I, read, I was reading one or two different preachers on what they had to say on this. And one preacher said this, he said, um, he put it like this, he said, are you ten years old as a Christian, or are you two years old five times over? Because that's the problem, and, and driving a car is a little bit like that. We, we, we come out, we get a little bit more confident, but we've not upskilled ourselves. That is not how we're supposed to live as Christians. And so again, I ask the question, have we got stuck? And I want you to answer that question within your heart before God this morning. This isn't about me saying I need to know. This is about you knowing before the Lord. You see, the truth is that anything that is alive grows. Some things grow more slowly than others. We've got some little tiny, I'm not sure whether they call them stone plants or what, but we've got this little tiny wooden sort of thing that sits in the garden. You've got these tiny little, little plants in there and they're growing, but they're growing incredibly slowly. 
there's plants that take, take hundreds of years to grow. And there's others that grow quick. You see, it's not about how quickly we're growing so much as the fact that we are growing. And I just want to encourage you in the Lord. If you are growing, then praise God you're growing. You're alive. God is with you. God is working in you. The Holy Spirit has, has a, a place in your life. Amen, if you're growing. If you're stuck, we'll come to that in a minute. But if you're growing slowly, it doesn't mean you're any less a Christian. You just need to grow. Whatever speed God grows you, you need to just grow. Don't stress out about the speed. Just make sure you're growing. Are we growing? Are we progressing? Are we moving from beginners to intermediate onto other things? Let's jump forward a bit. Hebrews uh, 6, um, part 2 of, of, of verse 1, and then into verses 2 and 3. And I think I've got it there, and I've just trimmed it a bit. Let's look again at this passage. But you'll notice I've put it up in the New American Standard this time, because this list... The question I've got is, are we being squeezed into the culture in which we live? And let me be honest with you, I find that I am under pressure. There are things which, there was a time when I would just sort of think, yes, God will do that. And now I think, oh, maybe that's not what God's going to do. I'm not sure whether I can trust him for that. Or I'm being careful about what I'm saying because I'm worried about upsetting this person or upsetting that person. There are things that squeeze us in today's culture. And if we look at this, this is interesting. In the one that we read, it said repent from evil. It talked about faith in God. It talked about baptisms. It talked about baptisms, plural, interesting. It talked about laying on of hands. It talked about resurrection of the dead. It talked about eternal judgment. I'm not sure that I would make that the basis for a new believer's course because we're talking about, you know, what are the foundations, moving on from the foundations. I'm not quite sure whether that would be the sole, <laughs> the sole points that I would preach in a foundation course for, Christ, for new Christians. Look at Hebrews. Let's read that through. 6, 1 to 3, it says, and this is the second part of verse 1, Therefore, leaving the elementary teachings about Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, pardon me, and of faith towards God, of instruction about washing and the laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. Interesting again, the list changes slightly. Repentance from dead works, yes. Faith towards God, yes. No problem. Instruction about washings, ah, interesting. Laying on of hands, yes. But why are we making that one of the first things we talk about? Surely there's some, isn't there some stuff missing from this list? Laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment, repentance, faith, washings, laying on. There's something missing. What makes that list distinctively Christian? That's the question. And if you look up the theologians on this, that's the question that they asked. What makes that list distinctively Christian? Where is the mention of Christ? Where is the mention of salvation by grace? Where is the mention that Jesus came and died to save us? Where is, where is all this stuff that is so fundamental to the truth that we've... If you're sitting here this morning, if you've 
never really quite understood how important Jesus is. I want to say it again this morning. There is no salvation without Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter how repentant we are, how much faith we have towards God, all these washing things, and we'll come back to them in a minute. It doesn't really matter about the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, or eternal judgment. None of those things matter if we don't, tr- if we don't recognize that we have to do it through Christ. He is the only way. A follower of Jesus Christ, a follower of Jesus Christ has to believe that Christ came and died and took our sin and that we have sin that needs forgiveness. And he not only died and took that sin, but then he rose again on the third day. He went to glory. He came back. He met with his disciples. He sent to us his Holy Spirit. You see, there is something missing in that list, and that's what's important. Griffiths Thomas, a commentator, says this. He puts it this way. He said, It is profoundly significant to observe how little distinctively Christian there is in this statement. Repentance, faith, resurrection, and judgment is certainly Jewish. Uh Aha. We're talking about Christian Jews living amongst Jewish Jews. And on this account, the reference seems to be Jewish foundations. And they were urged to avoid these elementary things which they were um, which they are able to leave for something higher and richer. That's what uh, this commentator says. You see, and actually baptisms, let's come back to that baptisms for one second. Baptisms, interesting, why plural? And, and why does the NASV say instructions about washing? Well, the actual Greek Word translated, baptisms, and bear with me, a little bit of Greek for you guys this morning, is baptismos. The word that is normally used for baptisms, Christian baptisms in the New Testament, is uh, baptizo. Now there is a difference. Don't sound like much, but there there is a difference. The word baptismos is used on three other specific instances in the New Testament. Hebrews 9, Mark 7, um, and uh, Mark 7, 4, and Mark 7, 8. And it applies to Jewish ceremonial washings. But when we see baptism spoken of all through the rest of the New Testament, it is this other word, baptizo which is we're talking about Christian baptism. So even that word baptism, which hmm, looked like it was something we could, it's not necessary. So we come back to this. What makes it distinctive? Not much. Why would that be an issue? Because we're talking about a bunch of people who are feeling rather stressed out and they're feeling discouraged. Why? Because they're living in a culture where they're not allowed to say that Jesus Christ is the Savior, the Lord, the Savior of the world, the Messiah, is God and what the writer is saying guys come on don't lose your distinctiveness as Christians you see there is no other way full stop there is no other way there is no other way to Christ it doesn't matter how good you've been or try to be and this was the point 
They were trying to change what they were saying, their fundamentals. They were saying, right, this is where we can agree with you guys. This becomes who we are. This is what we are saying. These are the fundamentals. And they were obviously arguing about that lot and going on about it. I want to say to you, when we're talking about growing, when we're talking about God saying, don't despise the small things, I am with you, get on with life with me, I'm going to take you forward, I'm going to do stuff with you, we're talking about being a people who are distinctive, who stand out, who are not just lost in the grey mess of everything coming together and being all lovely and cuddly and nobody getting upset with anything. Because if we stand as Christians and we stand up for the truth, if we say there is no other way apart from Jesus Christ, we are treading on a few toes. The challenge to us as a church is to stand. Yes, we have to do this in love. Yes, we have to do this with the grace of God. Yes, we have to have an open heart. Yes, we have to be friendly and open and and loving and love those who we might feel unlovable because their ideas are so at odds with ours. But we still have to be distinctive. We still have to stand out. And that's what beginners to intermediates and on to maturity is all about. We climb those hills We climb those hills with God with us, with his Holy Spirit helping us so that we can learn the power of God in our lives. So that we know when I climbed this small hill and it felt too much because I was, I was out of condition and I was, I was, I'd eaten too much and all the rest of it and I got to the top of the hill and I thought, I did that. The next hill is bigger. And I look at it and I think, never. But I've learned from the last one. That's what God wants for us in the Spirit. He wants us to be regularly moving on. Look at John 15.5. It says there, and, and I've read this so many times, this, this is the bit that struck me, which is slightly different than, than normally. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches, and those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. We've just got to dwell in God. We've got to remain in him. But the point that struck me this morning was, you will produce fruit. What fruit? The fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of God. Jesus will flow out of you and me as we dwell in the vine. And the world is going to say, wow, look at those lovely Christians. Let's go give them a big hug. No, the world is going to say, your view's wrong. You can't tell me that that's the only way. No, you cannot tell me that I'm doing wrong. You cannot tell me that this is not a good way to live my life. You're not allowed to. Because the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the vine coming out in us, isn't just love, joy and peace, but it's holiness and righteousness. God wants us to press into him. It could also be, and we can get discouraged by this, it could also be other things that are discouraging us. Not only does our culture press us, we have health, we have finance, time, tiredness, temptation. Actually, even sometimes we miss the fact that God's timing is not ours and we get frustrated with God because he's not done what we think he's going to do when he, want, when he should do it. These are all very real. 
These are the things that can squeeze us. We can be squeezed into, the, into our culture, or we can be squeezed by us. And here, and um, famous words of a film that I remember, and now I come to the end. A word of encouragement. A word of encouragement. Hebrews, the verse 10 says, For God is not unjust, and he will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers, as you still do. God will not forget. Even if you're struggling, even if you're feeling, God, I can't, how am I going to trust you for this money? How am I going to trust you for next month? How am I going to trust you for, for my health? I'm struggling, Lord. Look how these things always are happening to me. What about this? I've just lost this, this member of my family. Lord God, all these things we bring to him. God is not unjust and he will not forget. He won't forget. It just, he doesn't forget. He's God, for goodness sake. God cannot forget. Yes, he can choose. That's different. But he doesn't just forget. Not like you and me. He can choose to forget our sins because they are covered by the blood of his son. But he doesn't forget what, he, what we do for him. He won't forget what you've done. Two, be encouraged because... God's promises are reliable. Look at this next verse, 18. So God has given both his promise and his oath, and these two things are unchangeable, because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold on to the hope that lies before us. God lays his character online for us. If we're stepping forward, if we're going forward, if we're feeling challenged, if we're going through problems, if we're feeling squeezed by our culture, if we're struggling with what's happening in our lives at the moment, God says, I'll give you this promise, an, in, an unchangeable promise, one that we can have in great, great confidence. Why? Because God cannot lie. So the promise is unbreakable because God cannot lie. But God wants us to know that it's unbreakable. He says, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll swear on myself. Seeing as there's nothing bigger. And so not only do we have the promise of God, but we have the oath of God. Both unbreakable. God's promises are reliable and he hasn't forgotten you. Be encouraged because, and this is where the promise runs to the hook if you like of the promise is this and it says it in 19 the next verse this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls and it leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary God has given us an anchor there's an old song we have an anchor we used to sing it in Suffolk we have an anchor I used to hate that song. <laughs> Steadfast and sure, yeah. I used to sing it in the choir. But actually, there's a real deep truth in that. The rope that holds the boat to the anchor, if that breaks, the anchor's useless. If the anchor's never thrown over the side of the boat, the anchor's useless. 
we need to throw our anchor into God, into the very depth. That's what it's talking about, the, the, in, in, to the inner sanctuary. And know that the rope will never break and the anchor will never move. That's the promise. That's the promise. That's why, whether we're being squeezed because of our culture or squeezed because of all these other things, God hasn't forgotten us. His promises are reliable and our anchor is sure. And then finally, the last, very last thing I want to say this morning is this. Verse 12. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you see, we will grow if we do these things, if we remember these things. Why do they start with saying, let's read our Bibles more? Why do they start by saying, go away, have a look at these scriptures yourself? Because... God does not want us to be spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. And that verse 12 just comes out from talking about Abraham and all the other stuff there, and it talks about faith. But the thing that struck me in there, that it's faith and endurance. So my last word to you this morning is hang on to God with faith and endurance. Beginners to intermediate. Moving on, if we want to see God take what we have now and grow it into what he wants for us for the future, then we mustn't, church, we mustn't get tired. We mustn't give up. We have to keep pressing in to God and trusting in the nature of our Lord and Saviour. Lord bless you. Amen.